ready for another course to lean on me. I was all geared up. My hands were spread, ready to clap, and then we ended. All right. Whatever. Um, so I brought this up here uh, this morning. If you're listening online and the sur- you're not here, what's your fault for not coming to church this morning? Because you don't know what I'm talking about. But I brought this up here on, uh, uh, because I wanted you to uh, get a little bit of a visual. Every once in a while, my son wants me to play blocks with him. You know, he's like, Dad, let's go play blocks. Let's play Legos. We actually have the Legos that I used when I was a kid uh, in his room, and I still, I still play with them. So, you know, Dad's kind of getting excited. You know, we're building something or whatever. I ask him, what do you want me to build? And he'll give me some ideas, and some of them are just really difficult. They all end up looking like robots, pretty much. So we build a lot of robots. But, you know, Dad starts getting into it. You know what I mean? Like, it, like Liam will be over here messing with a few blocks, and he'll have a block I need. And, uh, you know, I'll be like, hey, Liam, what's that over there? And then I'll grab his block so I can make... Make my robot look just right. So, you know, I'll start, I'll start making it just so I'm not really doing a good job here. But, uh, but you kind of get the idea, right? No applause, huh? All right, whatever. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'd, I don't want applause yet. I'm just totally joking. <laughs> but uh, so we build this thing. And, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, Liam, check it out. You know, here's the, the awesome... T-Rex or whatever, you know, whatever I built. And Liam's instinct, and I don't know if this is a Liam thing or if it's a little kid thing or if it's a little boy thing, but uh, Liam's instinct, as soon as I build it up and I'm like, hey, Liam, check it out. His instinct is to run from wherever he is and knock it down. All right. I was worried about him a little bit, and I'm, you guys confirmed that it's a little boy thing. So, you know, he'll come over and he'll like, oh, knock it down, and he thinks it's hilarious, and I've just spent, you know, a good 20 minutes of my life trying to build something up. Now, I don't know if this is everybody. Everybody has that instinct to knock it down. If, you know, it's sandcastles on the beach or whatever it is, if everybody has that little bit of destructive tendency in them, you know, if you're remodeling, you kind of, there's something about taking that sledgehammer to the cupboards or whatever it is. You just, you enjoy it. You get a little bit of a kick out of it. And uh, I'm glad to hear that maybe it's not just a Liam thing, it's not just a me thing. I'm glad to hear that maybe it's a, it's a human thing, like, like our instinct is a little bit just to, to kind of knock it down. Now, uh, where we're going with this today is, uh, it's, it's kind of important, because I think it is a human instinct to do this. Uh, there was a quote I read this week that I thought was very valuable, and uh, it's a, by a preacher by the name of William Barclay, and he said this, he said, it's easy to laugh at idealism, it's easy to pour pour, uh, cold water on enthusiasm, it's the next slide if you want to bring it up, it's easy to discourage others, the world is full of discouragers. And I don't know, that sounds a little gloomy, but when I read that, that resonated with me. The world is full of discouragers, people with an idea, and they're excited, and they're enthusiastic, and they, they're, they're just, you know, kind of running around, hey, I got this cool new thing, and there's just always that person who's like, oh, yeah, well, whatever, that's been tried before, or you're never going to make it, or you're never going to get there. Gretchen Rubin, who's a, who's a writer that writes a lot about happiness, wrote that the world is full of Eeyores, and there's not many Tiggers, if that maybe metaphor resonates a little bit more with you. There's a lot more Eeyores then there is Tiggers. And I think the, the issue is, like Liam, like all of us, our instinct is to, to knock down. Our, in, our instinct is to, to tear it down a little bit. And, and I think that that is something that we all have an issue with. But the problem is, it's not just blocks. It's not just sandcastles. I think we all have this tendency to do this with people. It's why we talk about them and not to them. It's why we're much more prone to leave a bad review online than a good one. It's why we can be suspicious of someone's success 
but we can take a little bit of satisfaction, a little bit of smugness in their failure. It's why we judge people. It's because we have this instinct to just kind of just knock it down. Something looks too good and we just want to rush over. and just Maybe we're not just shoving it all the way down. Maybe we're just taking it down piece by piece. Just a little block here. like Just, just poke a little bit of hole in somebody's idealism, enthusiasm, excitement. It's like, it's like I think we have that. I think our instinct is just to push over that stack of blocks. Now, I think some of you may be like, all right, you're a little gloomy here. I think the rain has gotten to your head, Patrick. This is a little bit, uh, David suggested this sermon was going to be a, about positivity, and you're kind of really, uh, this, this is not good. Because it's, it's raining outside, it's overcast outside, you know, maybe we're just all kind of in a bad mood. Um, but let me offer this observation if you don't think this is true. Have you ever gotten annoyed at how cheery somebody was? What's wrong with us? They're too happy. I need to just, you know, take a block off their happiness a little bit. I just need to, like, bring them down a little bit. It's my spiritual calling. They're too excited. They're too glad to be alive. I just need to bring them down a little bit. And I think this is a, I think it's a real issue. Um, so into all of that, I, I want to, um, I, I want to uh, talk about a verse here in just a second. Now, and maybe you're thinking, yes, this happens to me. I've been there. I've been that person that brings people uh, or has been brought down. But I want to just, I just want to offer the challenge of you to, to sit in the seat of someone who maybe is knocking down a little bit. Even if you don't think that's you this morning, try to wear what I'm saying or try to hear what I'm saying from that perspective. I don't want you sitting here thinking, yeah, my wife does that to me. My husband does that to me. I'm all excited and enthusiastic about something, and she just brings me down. I, I don't want you to hear it that way. I want you to hear it as the person who's either building up or tearing down about your responsibility in this. All right. Without being intentional, our instinct is to knock down. So we're going to read a verse. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. And before I go there, I want to kind of go back to that last slide, if you would. I want to kind of talk a little bit about what this verse should look like. This is uh, William Wallace, and we don't get to refer to him a lot. If you know the movie Braveheart, don't go watch it. Or at least if you watch it, don't say Patrick said to watch it. But it's this scene in this movie where uh, the Scottish army, this kind of ragtag group of guys, they're just, all, you know, they can't afford pants, they have to wear kilts, right? They're just this kind of, you know, they got pitchforks or whatever. They're just not train. They, they, they're, they're just completely overmatched by the English army that they're facing. There's less people. Histori- history tells us that there's less people. There's, there's, uh, there's more uh, English. They're, they're better, better prepared. The army's bigger. And, and he gives this pre-battle speech to this group of guys and get them, gets them all excited. And if you've ever watched movies like this, you know, you're sitting there on the couch and you're kind of like getting excited yourself, getting charged up a little bit yourself because the speech is so good. Or maybe you're watching Hoosiers and Gene Hackman's giving the speech at halftime and you're just like, I want to get out there and play basketball right now. You're just, you're just excited. And I want you to read the passage we're going to look at with that idea in mind. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 19. This is an author writing to a people who feel overwhelmed and overmatched and unsure about their future. And this is what he writes. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters. You can imagine him on a hillside, right? Can't you? His face painted, right? Or her face painted, whoever wrote this. Therefore, brothers and sisters. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened, uh, opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart 
And with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I love this verse, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And we could walk away from church here right now and we have been built up and we have been encouraged. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. That's a good verse. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of uh, kind of asking ourselves, are we building up or are we tearing down? And I'm just kind of telling you that I think my suspicion is, that a lot of us are kind of in teardown mode. A lot of us are in Liam mode. A lot of us are seeing something and we just, we don't, we don't want to knock it over. We just want to pick at it just a little bit, just piece by piece. And the Bible warns us against that because there's a plenty of discouragement in the world to go around and Christians need to be encouraging, encouraging one another. But I think we have a problem because I don't think we fully understand what that word means. Encouraging one another. So today I want to elevate and expand our concept of encouragement. Because uh, you, maybe like me, kind of uh, hear the word encouragement and it, you kind of minimize it without even intending to. You, you think of it, and, and I certainly do, you think of it as this kind of like, uh, uh, cheer up buddy, ha- have a great week, kind of a pat on the back, hope things go well. I, I, I know I do this almost every Sunday. I know I say the same phrase as people are leaving the building every Sunday after church. I kind of go stand by the door and I try to shake hands and Hope things are going well. And I always say this, have a great week. Have a great week. That's like kind of, I, I notice is my, I, not a catchphrase, but it's like when I don't know what else to say, if somebody's leaving, have a great week, you know, something like that. Have a great week. And I don't think there's been a single person ever who's been walking out the front doors of the church building thinking, you know what? I was ready to just have a bad week, but Patrick, he showed me another way. He made me realize that there are options. I could have had a bad week, but Patrick said have a great week. And you know what? I'm going to have a great week. I don't think anybody ever does that. Now, it's a social nicety. It's a good thing to say. And, and, and if you're kind of a person with my personality, which tends towards kind of the more optimistic, maybe a little bit more brighter, maybe a little bit cheery, we're, like, if we want to communicate that we're really upset with you, we're really frustrated with you, we'll, we'll be nice and we'll say hi and everything. But maybe, we will, maybe we'll uh, say have a, have a good week instead of great week. And that's how you know we're really steamed at you. You know, we're really mad. So watch for that as you're leaving this week. If I say have a good week, you probably did something to make me upset. That's not true. Just kidding. Now, I'm not trying to minimize kind of that, you know, have a nice week or shaking hands or patting somebody on the back or saying hang in there or any of those things. But I want to show that at best, those things are a minimum. Those things are the entry point of encouragement. They're not encouragement in, in its full concept, of its full perspective. And, and I, this is the definition that I want us to work with, uh, hopefully for today, but maybe even for the next couple of weeks, is this. Encouragement is whatever it takes to build them up. Encouragement is whatever it takes to build them up. The emphasis is on the whatever it takes 
part. Now, the Bible doesn't really settle on one good definition of encouragement itself. In fact, the Bible's kind of all over the place, and it talks about different situations, different scenarios. I mean, who knows what people are going through, where they're coming from, what encourages them. What encourages one person doesn't do it for somebody else. It sounds hollow or trite to somebody else. The Bible's kind of all over the place. But I want to just give you four quick verses about how the Bible seems to define this idea. In Galatians 1, uh, 6, rather, 1 and 2, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by faith should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves. Or you may also be tempted. And he says this, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. Encouragement is confronting people in sin. No, I'd rather just say, have a great week. Romans 12, 15 says this, rejoice with those who rejoice. Oh, I could do that. Woohoo, good job. You got a new job? That's awesome. Fantastic. Things are going well. Kids got into college, got that scholarship. Wonderful. But then it says, weep with those who weep. I don't know what to do when people are weeping. Mm -mm. That just weirds me out. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond. Somebody starts crying, and I don't know. Ephesians chapter 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome word. I left the any, but just put it in there in your minds. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who hear. And you've heard this verse before, but I'm telling you, church, we just did this one thing. No unwholesome words. Period. No unwholesome words. Zero. That's your goal for this week. Zero tearing down words. Zero picking at words. Zero just knock one little block off words. None of that. No unwholesome words coming out of your mouths. Whew. James chapter 5 verse 19 says this. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Encouragement is whatever it takes to build that person up. I want to give you kind of a, uh, let's do a little improv. It's always a bad idea, but we're going to do it. Uh, I asked a couple of our youth group guys to come up here, and they're going to demonstrate what encouragement might look like. Harrison and uh, uh, Drew, Drew, uh, Drew was doing some prom stuff last night, and he's here. So isn't that awesome that he's here? Good for him being here. I know. He could barely get dressed this morning, but he was, he's here. <laughs> Just, I would rather have him here, believe me. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about what encouragement is, and I ask these guys, go ahead and stand right up here if you would. I ask these guys to act this out. Now this is, we're not, we're not talking like, you know, heavy-duty improv stuff here. This would be pretty simple, but I want to just give you kind of the scope uh, and the spectrum of what kind of encouragement looks like. So sometimes encouragement is just kind of a pat on the back saying, good job, Right? That was great, you guys. I believed it. I felt like I was there. That was really good. That was really good. Sometimes, and I'm curious, I didn't tell them what to do. I didn't tell them what I was going to say they should do. They're totally improving this. So I'm, I'm really curious what they're going to do. Uh, sometimes in, encouragement is just kind of this little simple nudge in the right direction. What? Not too far. Come back now. Come back now. Just a little bit. You know, it's just like redirecting a little bit. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's just a little nudge. All right. This might be interesting. Uh, sometimes encouragement is catching someone before they fall over. Oh, yeah. I picked two, two, uh, two of our bigger youth group guys. So I was like, you'll see how that, that was good. That was very good. Sometimes encouragement is just simply Leaning on someone else heavily, just leaning like the battlefield kind of idea, you know? Their leg doesn't work and they're just, carry, you know, they're just hopping along. Yeah, there you go. That is, that is really good. I would think it would be the other leg that you would be on the other side, but whatever. I'm not, 
I'm totally not a doctor. I'm going to move over here for this last one. Uh, it's not too bad. I'm just curious what they're going to do. Sometimes encouragement is this. Sometimes encouragement is carrying the other person entirely. He did it! Whoa! He's getting up! Woo! That was, that was unbelievable. Very good, you guys. That was amazing. Harrison is going to go sit and pass out. Go ahead. You guys can sit down. That was incredible. I got to say, that was one of the coolest things I've seen on stage here in a while. That was a feat of strength. I'm not going to ask how much you weigh, Drew, but Harrison got up from his knees like, ah, that was like a a scene out of a movie. That was so good. I didn't know that was going to go. That went really, good job, guys. (laughs) I think the best way for me to think about this idea of encouragement, other than that, which was incredible is to kind of think about the concept of a personal trainer. Um, I've, I've never had the, the luxury, but I, I think the idea I get with a personal trainer is that they're a person who can extract from you more than you think you can give. They're a person who can get in your face, and you don't think there's a, a, a way in the world you could do a, a single push-up more, and they somehow get five more out of you. Somehow. You feel like your body is incapable of doing it, and this personal trainer can get in your face and almost like, like lend you their willpower and extract from you the ability to do something you did not think you were capable of. And that's what I think of when I think of encouragement. It's, it's, it, part of it is like, hey, have a nice week, have a great week, I hope, hang in there, buddy, I'll pray for you. But part of it is like getting in someone's face and willing from them more than they thought they were capable of. That's encouragement too. When someone is going off the rails, you get in there and you say, there is no way. You're not going to treat your family like that. You are, not, you are a Christian. You are a light. You are not going to act like that at work. And it sounds rough and it sounds confrontational. And some of the verses we read were. But encouragement feels to me like a personal, personal trainer where if you were on your own, you would stop. And they can get you to do more. And that is what I believe God is asking for us, for one another. That we can do more. That we can do better. Imagine if you had a personal trainer for morality. Just think about that for a second. Where you're like, okay, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to get my prayer life in order. I'm going to pray for 20 minutes every day. Two minutes in, you're like, I can't do this. I'm falling asleep. What if you had somebody in your face saying, keep going. I got the timer. You better not get up off your knees. What if you had somebody like that? What if you had a personal trainer for, uh, uh, for like something like forgiveness? I can't do it. There's no way. You don't know what they did to me. Yes, you can do it. You know what? God has forgiven us through Jesus Christ. You can do it. You better get in there and do it. You get on the phone and you forgive them. Imagine if we had a personal trainer for morality. What if we had a personal trainer for like uh, marriage and parenting? Wouldn't that be great? I don't know what to do. They're a teenager. I'm at my wit's end. I've tried everything, every sort of incentive or disincentive. I don't know what to do. You get back in there and you fight for that relationship. How awesome would that be? What if we had a personal trainer for generosity? We got a checkbook out and writing a check, and they're just looking right over. You can add a zero to that. Seriously. <laughs> you can't. Totally. A zero. It's like this. And they grab the pen, kind of like add a little extra. What if we had a personal trainer for morality? Wouldn't that be great? That is what the church is supposed to be for one another. Oh, I don't know. I do not want anybody looking at my finances. 
I do not want anybody looking at my forgiveness or lack thereof. I do not want anybody looking at my marriage and parenting. Well, it's no wonder you give up sooner than you are capable of. We are to be encouraging one another. And it's more than just a pat on the back or saying positive things. I want to leave you with two things. We're going to look real quick through five ideas I had about what encouragement looks like in the real world. And we're going to go through that pretty quickly. And then I want to leave you with a story of what encouragement is and can be in the real world. So number one is this. Encouragement is being committed to a regular presence in the lives of other believers. I know you've got other stuff going on. I know you're busy. I know you've filled up your schedule. But if you haven't filled up your schedule with presence in the lives of other believers, then you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You've filled up your schedule with the wrong things. Well, Patrick, you don't know my schedule. You don't know what I'm doing. I know if you're not around Christians very often, then you're doing something wrong. Oh, man, Patrick, I, did, I came to be encouraged. That's not very encouraging. Remember, sometimes encouragement is confrontation. Encouragement is understanding that our spiritual health is interconnected. If you're not doing good, I'm not doing good. It's interconnected. Oh, man, I'm glad I don't have the problems they have. I'm glad I, I got my... No, if they're not doing good, you're not doing good. We are one body. And if part of the body's sick, all of the body's sick. Encouragement is saying positive things behind their back as well as to their face. How nice is it when you hear third hand something good about you? Isn't that nice? That feels a little extra sincere. When you hear through the grapevine somebody thinks well of you. That is good stuff. You've got to say it to their face too, but say it behind their back. Defend them. Remember that being nice isn't the standard. Christ is the standard. It's not just about saying nice things. Remember that understanding, or remember that under, uh, encouragement is rather an act of faith. We don't know how it will pay off. We don't know what to say. We don't know how to respond. We don't, they're crying. We don't know what to do. But it's an act of faith because we believe we are called to live in harmony uh, with one another as being part of the same body. I want to leave you with a story because uh, this is something um, some, someone's still going through. I'm going to ask him uh, to come up, and I just want to talk a little bit about what encouragement can look like in real life. So uh, Anthony's here somewhere. I haven't, I haven't located. Where do you go? Anthony, would you come up here? Um, and I don't know if we can get one of you guys to run us down a mic, but I'm going to talk to Anthony a little bit. You're going to have to talk loudly. But DJ's, he's our runner. He's going to come get us a mic. Oh, we're going to turn on uh, Travis's. Thank you. Um, so... Anthony is part of uh, our life group on Tuesday nights, and so one of his long-standing prayer requests has been for a friend of yours. Um, and a couple, I think it's probably been maybe a month ago now, you kind of were giving us some of the details of the story, but when I talked to you the other day, you gave me a little bit more detail. So you have a friend that has been having some struggles. Tell me a little bit about that friend and kind of how you knew there were some problems going on. Um, it's my friend Mike. Um, we met in YWAM, and... Ever since... Now, YWAM is when he did... Uh, it was two years? Yeah. 18 months? It's kind of a missions thing. He spent some time in Hawaii getting training, and then he spent some time in uh, South Korea at a few different places like that. So when you, you met Mike in Hawaii, correct? Yeah. Okay. And we went to um, Holland together, did ministry there. And it was there we kind of became really good friends, and we were kind of inseparable. And so after we left, we continued talking, like, all the time. And... 
just continued to go through life together even though we weren't next to each other. So you said that there were there was a few things that happened that made you think something's wrong with Mike. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Mike always struggled with just self-image as a lot of people do, I suppose. But um whenever he would he would always we were always open to talk to one another. And regardless of whatever was going on, we could always keep talking about it. And I would I always try to encourage him and tell him, no, God loves you. I love you. We're in this together. Don't give up. And one, and there was one day in particular. He was, he texted me, and we were talking. And he wouldn't talk to me. He would only text me. And over the course of the conversation, he would stop. He was slowly getting more and more distant, and he wouldn't. <laughs> we, we just couldn't even talk. And so you knowing him well yeah. made you think that this, there was something wrong. It was not like him. Now, had he said something that really made you worried about what he might do? Yeah. Um, he said, he started the conversation by saying, I wish I had the, I wish I, I had the confidence to kill myself. So you can imagine being in a conversation with somebody and they start off a conversation like that. This isn't a conversation that's going to be like, well, hey, have a good week. Right? It's not going to be a conversation that can end with like that, those, the, those platitudes that we, we are comfortable with defining encouragement as. So you tried to engage him in conversation, and he kept like backing off further and further and further. What made you feel like you actually had to end up calling 911? Um, well, I didn't know what he was going to do, and I, I had to do something. You just didn't know what to do. So yeah. he had said, he had said, he had kind of started off the conversation wishing he had the courage to kill himself. And then over the course of that conversation, he started becoming less and less and less engaged to the point he wouldn't talk to you at all, right? Yeah. Now you did something else before you called 911. What was that? Um, well, I called, um, I called all of my friends and I asked them to pray. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Because you didn't know what to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, I didn't want to call the police, but it was, I, it came to that point, and I was like, I have to do it. You felt like there was no options. Yeah. So Anthony told me that he called um, like a wellness hotline, like a suicide prevention hotline, and they suggested calling the police for, I believe it's called like a wellness visit, yeah. just make sure everything's okay. Yeah. Um, and then it was the police who ended up calling an ambulance uh, on your friend. Yeah, that's what I ended up hearing. Now, Anthony didn't hear any of this because he's not getting direct information from his friend. He didn't know what had happened. All he knew is, is that an ambulance had been called, but he didn't find this out till later. So the next day, this friend reached out to you. Is that correct? Yeah. All he said was, did you call an ambulance? And I told him I called the police. And then he said, I'll forward you the bill. And that was the last thing he ever said to me. So this is, this is I, I mean, I think the whole thing is, is crazy, but th- this is kind of where it gets interesting. So Anthony didn't hear anything else from this friend. I'll forward you the bill, didn't hear anything else. So Anthony thought, well, you know, uh, an ambulance bill is a hardship. I got to figure out how to pay for the ambulance. And he said he spent a ton of time trying to track down how to pay for this ambulance bill, which is surprising to me. Like, I want to give you money. Can you please tell me how to give you money? And it was the hardest thing to figure out how to pay for it. But finally, you were able to get the bill, right? Yeah. Um, Mike said that he would send me the bill, but he's not the kind of person to put any sort of burden on anyone else ever at his own expense. 
Um, so, so you knew it was Brian. Yeah, I knew that he wasn't going to. And like, as I was waiting the weeks go by, he, I wasn't getting anything. And I was like, I sent him a message. And I was like, where's the bill? So nothing's happening. Yeah. You finally figure out how to pay the bill. But his, this friend still hasn't contacted you. And uh, now you were, contact, you were interacting with him via some social media, texting, calls, things like that. And, and that went all dark, right? Yeah. There was no, none of that. In fact, didn't he block you on yeah, Facebook? Yeah, he's, he's blocked me on Facebook. And you're still blocked on Facebook. Yeah. So listen to this. Uh, Anthony's blocked on Facebook. He won't answer the, the, the friend won't answer the calls. And so, Anthony, what did you do? Um, well, in terms of the payment or in no, terms no, no, of just in terms of con- trying to contact yeah. him. Um, well, yeah, I Yeah, how much did you pay? No, I'm just <laughs> No, um, in terms, well, while I was figuring out how to pay for the bill, I got his address. And so I've been sending him letters. Now, I, just for those of you that don't know, a letter is something you write. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's an actual piece of paper. You get a pen or a pencil, and then you actually pay the government to take it to somebody else, and they'll, they'll do that. It's an amazing, amazing feature. I don't know how many of you realize this existed, but it's pretty cool. Uh, and, and frankly, h- how cool is it to get an actual old-fashioned letter, right? Isn't that, that encouraging? So you, you wrote him a letter, um, and then each week you've been writing him a letter, right? Yeah, every Sunday. Now, I talked to you, let's see, every Sunday you've been writing him? So are you going to write him one today? Yeah. That's awesome. I talked to you, let's see, Thursday, probably Thursday or Friday, and we talked a little bit about this. And uh, I think the day before, you had gotten the first letter back, right? Yeah, he sent it back to me in the mail. So return to sender. So here's here's Anthony. I mean, every step he can take to try to reach out, roadblocks, nothing's happening, nothing's getting anywhere. The letter comes back. I mean, it's a clear, I'm not interested, I don't want this. And I said, Anthony, so what are you going to do? Uh, now that you're starting to get these letters back. And what did you say? I'm going to keep sending him letters. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to keep doing I'm going to keep reaching out. I'm going to keep encouraging. I love that so much. Andy, thank you so much for uh, sharing that story with me. We're going to be praying for Mike. We're going to be praying for Mike in that situation because it is ongoing. But here's the thing I loved about encouragement is the determination to not take no for an answer. And I know some of you are like, oh, well, if... I, I take no for an answer pretty quickly. As soon as somebody gives me a funny look, I'm out of there, right? I take no for an answer pretty quickly, but the determination not to take no for an answer. By the way, if you want to answer that phone call and say no, that would be a good situation. <laughs> you can take no there. He's going to keep sending him letters. Discouragement is natural, it's easy, and it's devastating. Encouragement is deliberate. It's difficult, and it's life-giving. Let's be an encouraging body of believers. I'm going to ask Dave if he would come up and close us out in a word of prayer.